0: Welcome to Switch on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. You know, Nate, some of my favorite music can speak to multiple emotions hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And as I was listening to songs to think about what we would chat about this week, I kept hearing this theme arise. Yeah. A combination of hopes and dreams, but also fears and nightmares. Two things that you would think might belong in different songs, but are often happening in just one track. Mm. I don't want to wax too philosophical about what that might mean at large, but these songs really stuck with me. Not only did they get stuck in my head, but existing in this sort of like liminal emotional space was powerful. Mm. And so I want to take three songs today. One from Mac Miller off of his posthumous release, another from Future featuring Drake, yeah. and finally Billie Eilish. Each of these artists are going to speak to both our dreams and our nightmares. Wow. Wow. All right, this is
1: exciting. This is like chimerical pop.
0: What does chimerical mean?
1: Chimera is like a figure from Greek mythology that has a, is a fire-breathing monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. <laughs> so this is multiple things
0: at once. I think that's exactly what we're going to find. I want to start out with Mac Miller, yeah, an artist who we haven't spoken about on the show. A really, I think, important figure in contemporary hip hop. For those who don't know, Mac Miller was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he had a very promising young career in music before an accidental overdose at age 26. He recorded in a very short period of time 13 mixtapes and five studio albums. He was known for his 2012 song "Loud," which went to number 53 on the charts. He was also featured on Ariana Grande's song The Way off her first album.
2: so fine, make it feel so fine. I hope you hit me on my celly when i sneak in your mind.
0: And his song Self Care went number 33 on the charts in 2018 dealing with the challenges of his own mental health.
2: Self care, I'm treating me. Right. Yeah. hell yeah.
0: He has an upcoming posthumous release, an album called Circles, and off it there's a single called Good News. I want to listen to that with you because I think it captures both a lot of the struggles and the hopes that Mac was dealing with that resonated so powerfully with me.
2: I some I finally a
0: wow yeah that was a deep experience yeah it really is obviously with his loss it's that much more powerful
1: absolutely yeah you, you read into certain lyrics such as there's a whole lot more for me waiting on the other side it's impossible not to to hear that with that specific valence.
0: In its moment, there's almost a sense of hope there, but I think as a listener, there's a great amount of grief as well.
1: Yeah, a sense of loss, absolutely.
0: Mac was someone who dealt with depression. He struggled with fame and as well as addiction, and he wasn't afraid to talk about these things. It's what made a lot of his later work speak so strongly to people. I think he had a way of being extremely vulnerable. Mm. We can also hear in this song, not just his vulnerability, we can hear the progression of his emotions and we can hear I think the the real strength of him as a songwriter. And so I thought what we could do is, is highlight a couple of moments that show this the song's sort of progression of despair into hope and the duality of emotions that it contains. If we just listen to the chorus, yeah. I actually think we get both of those sides in one moment.
2: Good news, good news, good news. All they want to hear. No, they don't like you when I'm done. But when I'm flying, no, oh, it make them so uncomfortable. So different. What's the difference? There's a whole
1: lot more me. Wait. Before we even dig into the lyrics, what strikes me about the chorus is how the harmonic language of the the chord progression kind of mirrors this idea good news thats all they want to hear they don't like it when I'm down
0: yeah
1: what as he's saying down the chords that are being played by these fascinating guitar parts which yeah. I, we need to talk more about yeah. they move to like a minor key and then maybe yeah. a diminished chord yeah it's so it's text painting that notion of feeling down and then it resolves to the major tonic again Just those four lines just have a lot of like emotional weight to them. Yeah,
0: exactly. The words, good news is all they want to hear, which is sort of in the more major sonorities of that chord progression, are then balanced by the they don't like it when I'm down and where things take that more menacing turn. Mm. And those chords loop throughout. I think it's appropriate that they have this circularity to them. Mm -hmm. And there are, are moments, though, where he jumps out, of these cycles part of it he does in the way that he performs vocally and we're going to talk about that but i think there's some other just really great moments i want to highlight musically as well when he moves from the first verse into the second verse i think we see the darkness really come out and then the hope comes later here's the second verse when it ain't that
2: bad it could always be worse i'm running out of gas hardly anything left hope i make it home from work
0: That final lyric, wow. Gotta build something beautiful just to set it on fire. Yeah. Oof. That's a good line.
1: There's a couple of those. I like when he says, um, I'm holding all the cards, but I hate dealing. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, yeah, he's got some he's got some good one-liners in here. I'm sure people are gonna like have tattoos of these before long.
0: Certainly. This song is circulating and he's in the middle of it. We're not in a good place, but I really like how on the other side is is perhaps a sense of hope, and we can hear that in his final verse.
2: And I finally discover that it that
0: so As he says, "There's a whole lot more for me waiting. It ain't so bad." And of course, this is what makes the song obviously so emotionally challenging. Is is, is that you know? he didn't make it, but he had a sense of there was great opportunity. We can hear joy in that as, as a listener sort of interpreting our own experience into it. Mm. You pointed out how the harmonies are both joyous, but also unsettling. Yeah, And you were questioning, like, what's making that sound? And, and part of it is just the chords themselves. But I think that this uneasy feeling that we're getting in the song is reinforced by how it's being produced. We have some really great players on here. Uh, John Bryan, who people might know for his score for many films, including Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He's produced for Amy Mann, Fiona Apple, Kanye West. Uh, I think he was even even on Lemonade. Hmm. And then also there's guitar by Wendy Melvoin who played with Prince. So you've got these two really interesting guitar players and we can hear them in conversation with each other. I think the way that they actually construct the track creates that uneasy feeling. And And I wanted to highlight it by playing it out for you. Great. Here's sort of just a really rough playing of that weird harmony circulating guitar line. There it is. There it is. Okay. Kind of bland, though. A little bit. And I wasn't going to say it. Thank you for sparing your critique. They bring the song a little more alive by not just doing that once, but they actually record multiple guitars on top of each other. And in doing so, it widens our stereo field, but it also feels like there's a little bit of a conversation happening by double-tracking the guitar. And so you get some minor imperfections, right. but it also sounds richer. Some
1: slippage. Yeah. Almost. Yeah.
0: And then they really increase the slippage by adding some weird delays and effects to make things feel... Whoa. Uh-huh.
1: Technical term. <laughs> Yeah, now we're getting, now we're getting that, that good news guitar line, getting closer and closer. I can hear it.
0: Just as they take what is a, a simple line and breathe more life into it through some wobbliness, I think what I'm so attracted to about Mac Miller's performance is the way in which his phrasing is always changing. Hmm. That a song which I think goes over five minutes long I keep getting pulled into it because he constantly surprises me with how he delivers his lines. And we could hear this actually just in one verse alone. If we just go into the first verse, he has so many ways of performing the challenges that he's dealing with. So to illustrate it, I want to break down that verse. Here he is right at the top.
2: I spent the whole day in my head Do a little spring cleaning. I'm always too busy dreaming.
0: Another mm. gorgeous line. Mm. But then the music comes in to join him and changes the feeling of what it's like to be alone in his head.
2: I can't it just be easy. Why does everybody need me? Stay. Oh, I hate the feeling. When you're high, but you're underneath the ceiling. Got the cards in my hand, I hate them.
0: Not oh, only he's changing up his phrasing, but as soon as he says, why couldn't things just be easy? Actually, things maybe do get easy. The band comes to join him to give him some support. Is I there
1: like some marimba in there? Yeah, there's some kind of vibes.
0: xylophone or something. Yeah. I like it's it. It's really yeah. pretty. Yeah, it is. And then you had mentioned one of your favorite moments where he really plays with our expectations of of phrasing. And, and you're, you're trying to be like, Mac, where are you at? Yeah. So here's the last couple of lines of the first verse.
2: I spent the whole day in my head. Do a little spring cleaning. I'm always too busy dreaming. Hmm. Mm.
1: The rhyme scheme is never, you can never lock in. No. It's never just like A, B, A, B. It's constantly changing and that kind of keeps you on your toes as a listener. You don't know exactly what to expect. He's switching up the phrasing.
0: It's taking these long pauses. Yeah. I even love how he just says this difficult world where he's like, get everything I need, then I'm gone. And yeah. he does it like, get everything I need, then I'm gone. Huh.
2: Get everything I need then I'm gone. But it ain't standing. can I get a
0: Everything is both highly performed. And yet, because of the way that he's changing these rhyme schemes, he's altering the phrasing, changing his intonation throughout, it ends up feeling entirely natural. Like he almost feels like he's having a conversation and you're trying to lean in closer to hear what he has to say next.
1: Right. I think this is something that I've had to accept over the years with this artist. I think when I first heard Mac Miller, I was very dismissive and... And I think a big part of that was because of his vocal delivery, which sounded kind of laconic and mm-hmm. maybe sort of like mumble mouthed and, and lazy to me. Mm-hmm. And But in this song especially and in general, the way I think about him now is that these are aesthetic choices. And I think that is exactly the point. The goal is to bring you in as a listener by him hanging back. Yeah. So you have to fill that space. And I think at first I was like, oh, don't make me like, don't make me try and understand everything you're saying. But of course, that is the reward of that deep listening.
0: Yeah. And I think he really gets you when he just fluidly switches from rap into song. And I just, I love this moment at the end of the first verse to put a little bookend on our, our phrasing conversation.
2: And all I do is say sorry. Half time I don't even know what. I'm saying it about.
0: All I have to do is say sorry. And he's sort of singing it. He's pleading he's, it. He's crooning. And, you know, at the same time, at the end of that line, he says, I don't even know what I'm saying it about. And he has this sort of upspeak mm-hmm. in his intonation, this sort of like doubting his own phrase yeah. before landing into the chorus. But good news, good news, good news. Yeah. The song ends sadly, but also really beautifully. It ain't that bad, it doesn't have to be no more. And then he fades out and the band just keeps on playing. Yeah. Recording a posthumous release is um, a really sensitive subject in terms of being respectful to that person, obviously to their their family, also to the listeners. And I think that they've done a really artful job taking a, a work that was reported by his family to be almost entirely complete, this, this project. And it really does feel like a, a, a beautiful swan song. Hmm. Let's keep on moving with some other music. Right on. Mac is not the only artist who is conveying these emotions of hopes and fears at the same time. I was very curious to hear this new release by Future and Drake. We just heard a song called Good News. This song is called Life is Good. And we're going to have a question. Is it? All right. The song very strangely, is divided into two parts. Okay. Distinct halves. Yeah. So we'll start with- Chimera. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do we start with the the goat or do we start with the serpent?
0: I think it's the goat. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to start with the goat. And in this case, <laughs> Drake is the goat. Okay, cool.
3: Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. Virgil got a paddock on my wrist going nuts. Caught me slipping once, okay, so what? Someone hit your block up, I'll tell you if it was us. Man, a house in Rosewood, it too plush. Say my
1: That's heavy. But I keep- that That groove is heavy and I like it. Drake's flow fits right in the pocket. Yeah, this is cool.
0: So here I think we have Drake expounding his great material success. He is excited about hanging out with his buddy, Virgil. He's got a paddock on his wrist. Virgil is the head of uh, Louis Vuitton's menswear line. And I guess um, perhaps he is friends with him and, and the, the paddock is a, a high-end wrist watch. He is rhyming about his fame, how it is more than just a social media meme and more than just his influence. He later says, you know, this is fame, not clout.
3: This is fame, not clout. I don't
0: even know what that's about. Watch your mouth. Baby, got it. An important distinction. And he's often critiqued for just making memes, not music. Right. So he's addressing his critics. He's celebrating life and he's frankly bragging about his manor house in Rosewood, which is a signature suite in the upscale London Rosewood Hotel. So life is good, (laughs) right? Is it? I don't know. It's like, it's a fun track. But the production is kind of cold. Like it has these really dark minor pads.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's very sparse. Yeah. That central baseline has kind of a harsh, buzzy, sawtooth kind of texture to it. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, I actually think if we look at the, um, the opening line, it really shows where Drake is at. Working on the weekend like usual. Mm. Working on the weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. And the music video is actually really fun. It's Drake and Future both working overtime jobs. And they sort of go from being a mechanic to working in a retail location. Mm -hmm. And I think there's sort of a a worker's solidarity, which is going on with the song. But underneath it, I think the darkness of the track and Drake rhyming about how life is great and he has all this material excess, he's really just showing that, like, to hold it all together, he's constantly working his butt off. Yeah. Chimera... And that's where Future comes in. Okay. So, the song, as I said, is in two acts. And there's a sample flip, which takes the song in a new sonic territory by interrupting Drake. Here's Future. Curtain up, act two.
3: Man, a house in Rosewood. It's too plush. It's cool, man. Got red bottles on. Life is good. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: This is a funny moment because this is actually future sampling himself. Uh-huh. This is an interview that he did with the, I believe, French outlet called Clique. Clique? Clique, bien sûr. Yeah. Pourquoi non? So here is the interview.
3: Cool, man. Got red bottoms on. Life is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you seem to feel good when you're, you're in Europe? Who? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great so future here is of course talking about his red bottom shoes Louis Vuittons, and celebrating life Let's get a little bit more of what's going on for future
3: yeah for you the cheapest ring on how not to be in my domain I right mean? <laughs> and now
1: the serpent tail. Yeah. And the fire-breathing lion. We were talking th- how the very beginning of the song with Drake has like a certain heaviness to it. Yeah. We just threw a hundred pound weight on that. And yeah. now
0: we're like rattling. We've got trap hats. We've got yeah. heavy bass.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Things have taken a, a turn.
0: And some of the same themes. Here we have Future bragging about he's going off to Spain flying private just to buy a watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like an exhausting trip, but in any case, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, just all the rigmarole, you know, packing and you know, <laughs> traffic to the airport and time change. It's, Ugh, like of volt. Who wants to go flying private? It's not oh, the same Who's oh, going to Spain for to
0: buy a watch? It's crazy. <laughs> Who is the time? Who is the time? Well, future has the time because he just bought the watch. Point taken. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> he he pairs this line with the end of his verse he says wasn't the trap serving cocaine haven't been the same since and i think what we've got in this song is that same struggle between having made it but in many ways his past catching up to him Mm. the systemic injustice of living in the trap constantly bothering him he then talks about landing in london and needing to make sure that he is packing heat and that that there's constantly people out to get him and so he has both made it but he's got to have his head over his shoulder yeah
3: ooh they the count a it up it. Ooh, i'm on up. Ooh, i'm trying to that drake or london and it's extended ooh they got to stretch it got- how we going die for this
0: ooh. so yeah, right. i'm on a pj private jet Lighting up backwood full of sticky so he's having a fun time on the plane yes uh, uh, lands in london and you know he's carrying a weapon with him and worried about uh, you know people are going to carry a stretcher behind so it doesn't matter if you're flying private and you're safe in the air you land and he's he still has the same fears that he's always had mm. the thing that really puts this song into bummer territory if you will yeah. is i think the final line the refrain you know, Future's entire oeuvre is known for its reference to lean, yeah. its reference to to codeine, Percocet. One of his kids, Mask Off, was talking all about using uh, Molly and Percocet. Percocet. Yeah. I think in his music and the production, even in his vocal delivery, feels completely inebriated. Mm. And it seems that you know, as he's flying around, he can't escape these things. And I and I thought. Oof, man, is is that is that dark. But in going a little deeper and trying to find out what Future thought about this himself, I think you'll find that it's not so simple. In a Rolling Stone interview that he did with Charles Holmes... He had expressed, I think this was back in like 2016, yeah. maybe some concern. Like he says, you know, what have I done? What have I done to other people? What have I done to myself? Talking about the celebration of drug culture. Yeah. But he also says in that same interview with clique, Cleek. Oui. Yeah. Maybe as listeners, we could hear it in a different way.
3: You know what I mean? I'm not like super drugged, out of drug addict. My music may portray a certain kind of image. And um, I know there's some people that might be super drugged out and they listen to the music like, hey, thank you, he's speaking for me. And there's some people that's not, they feel like, man, I don't have to do drugs. I can listen to Future and feel like I'm on something. Like, don't have to try. I'm not doing it for the Try to do it for, like, uh, for moments and for people to enjoy it. You know what I mean? I don't do it for just, like, for you to really have to live that type of life.
1: That should be Dare's new slogan. <laughs> don't do drugs. Listen to Future. Just listen to Future. <laughs> And you it's the same thing, basically.
0: I really appreciate how he uses this. He samples himself from this interview celebrating how life is good. Yeah. He, I think in his production and his lyrics questions that same exact feeling. Is life really good? Is he just being haunted by his past? And yet, if we just go and look at the, the material that he samples, we see that Maybe this is more of a performance than it seems. Perhaps this is uh, evoking a sense of inebriation, yeah. not necessarily celebrating it or endorsing it.
1: And I think that might connect this track back to Mac Miller in a way. Both yeah. of these are uh, nominally hip-hop songs that kind of are uh, nevertheless at the bleeding edge of of where rapping ends and singing begins. Mm-hmm. And there are also tracks that sort of force you to confront the performativity of, of, of the act where there, it might sound sort of unstudied and improvised, but the closer mm. you look and the closer you listen, you see that these are very deliberate choices being made by Mac Miller and Future in their respective songs yeah. to give you that feeling of spontaneity and something unstudied because that disorientation is so effective and so mm. pleasurable for us as listeners
0: mm. yeah the chimera is uh in full effect yeah
2: hi i'm johanna ferreira content director of pop sugar juntos juntos is all about celebrating latin a culture pride our many intersectional identities and joy thanks to support from prime there's so much to get into over at juntos this month
0: And there's another artist, yeah. and perhaps even artists, who I think are capturing so gorgeously this dual sense of having dreams and having nightmares. Wow. All in one song. Okay.
1: On the edge of my seat.
2: I had a dream. I got everything I want. Not what you think. And if I'm being honest, it might have been a nightmare. To anyone who might care.
0: Hmm. So this is Billie Eilish's latest single, Everything I Wanted. And it's written and performed with her brother Phineas right. singing backup vocals and doing the production. Friend of the show. This was one of those songs where I first heard it and I was like, stop the car. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? What I love about this song is that there are many ways of reading it. And that Mm. gets back to the sort of opening point that I was making in this piece is that I love songs that contain multiple emotions so that you're kind of inserting yourself into it and trying to find your place. The first spot that this happened for me when honestly I just, I needed to pull the car over and yeah. listen to the song even more deeply, Yeah, was actually really this, this first line when she says she got everything she wanted.
2: I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. Not what you think. And if I'm being honest, it might've been a nightmare.
0: This is where Phineas shines as a producer He's so good at taking her vocals and imparting meaning in the performance in ways that are sometimes subtle and sometimes less subtle. He does the same thing on bad guy where he sort of affects her voice here when she says everything I wanted. Do you notice? I I can't describe it,
1: but it becomes a little distorted or.
0: It becomes reverberated and cavernous and it sounds like she got everything she wanted and it's totally empty. She's in a giant empty space. Um, what an interesting reflection. I think that the other performers we've heard earlier today saying maybe similar things in other ways, contrasting the joy of material excess with the the, the struggle, their own personal struggles. Oh, yeah. Here, she's gotten everything she's wanted, and pff, it's nothing. It's empty. So there's a clue right at the start of the song that not
1: everything is what meets the ear here.
0: Yeah. She gets us again at the beginning of the second verse when I think things go not even just empty, but... Downward.
2: I tried to scream, but my head was underwater. They called me weak, like I'm not just somebody's
1: dog. Whoa. Okay, so two cool things happening there. Yeah. Underwater literally sounds like it's underwater. Yeah. And then when they called me weak, on that word weak, it sounds like a number of people are saying it to her at the same time.
0: Ooh, I didn't even catch that. I want I, to
1: hear that again. I think. I don't know. Re- rewind it back.
2: They called me weak.
0: Oh, that's subtle. There's, just there's like,
1: something going on. They've, they've it, manipulated it's like, her voice. D- it's like
0: multi-tracked and almost whispered. They it, called me weak
1: it makes me think of people of a group of people kind of pointing their finger and saying we let's also give full credit to billie oh, yeah. eilish and her ability to impart so much meaning into these phrases the the little vocal turn she does my head was underwater there's like a little mm. kind of subtle trill there the control she has the intimacy it's powerful
0: absolutely and undergirding what makes her performance so great is a set of harmonies that are, I think, perhaps equally as confusing as the performed emotional state of the song.
1: Lovely. Is that you? Is that you on the tickling the ivories? say? Yeah, was me on the keys. Yeah. Good, Chuck. No, oh, thank you.
0: When I first heard these sounds, I knew something was up and I couldn't quite yeah. figure out what it was. So I consulted with our friend Asaf Perez from Top 40 Theory. Nice.
4: Anytime you have a chord progression that's played in a loop that repeats itself for an extended section of a song or even for an entire song, and this is the case in most popular songs, it limits the functional feel of the chord progression because the chord progression is contained in a very small sort of capsule and the listener very quickly stops being affected by the supposed tension and release properties of the chords. So for example, in everything I wanted when the progression is slightly altered in the middle of the chorus and instead of a minor three chord, you get a major three chord, the expectation for the loop to stay the same is defied. And that's a very noticeable moment in the song in terms of the harmony. So a chord progression that repeats itself the most significant tension it generates from a harmonic standpoint is that when the listener hears the last chord of the loop they expect a return to the first chord in the next measure or the next kind of metric unit so to sum up yes everything i wanted has a non-resolving chord progression but that non-resolution is more of a harmonic flavor rather than a functional building block a lot of times
0: in music today chords don't sort of function as they did in, in in the classical times, which is to say that they don't necessarily resolve to a certain place. Sure. They're not trying to point you in a mm. direction. Yeah. In fact, the song, like with Mac Miller, but also here with Billy, they're more for creating an atmosphere. Mm. And one of the ways they can create Atmosphere is by not pointing in a direction, keeping things open, letting the performer try different ways of singing over that repeating loop. Right, and in this one in particular, uh, Asaf would call this an open progression because it, it actually doesn't resolve to its home key. Yeah, in fact. The home key isn't in the chords at all. It's one of these strange chord progressions without its root chord. And just to highlight how this song has both these hopes and dreams and as well as their nightmares, we could actually imagine the song being a major song or a minor song. And to illustrate it, I took this chord progression and ended it. In a major key and in a minor key. Let's check out what those sounds like. Do you want to? Do you want to sound uh, minor or major?
1: Let's start with minor. Always want to end with major, I think.
0: So we're just gonna loop through once. Stays open. Could go anywhere.
2: Ooh, Ooh,
1: there's that minor resolution, and it is sad. That is sad. Yeah. (laughs) It is resigned. It is
0: final. So, if that's our nightmare, here's our dream. And one more time, we'll get that nice little chord loop. Keep things beautiful, open. They could go anywhere, or they could resolve.
1: And there's the major resolution. But isn't it... Promise, optimism.
0: Isn't it kind of unsatisfying, though, at the same time? Like, isn't the actual non-resolved version best?
1: 100%.
0: Right? Like, you want to hear it like it's supposed to be.
1: up in the air yeah it's not one or the other yeah it's the chimera (laughs) it's the lion and the serpent at once
0: you know there's one more effect that's happening to this sound that adds a lot of suspense and it's A geeky technical term. I think you're familiar with it. Maybe not. We've talked about side chaining before. Side chaining. There was a ghost side chain. A ghost side change. We've got
1: chimeras and ghosts in the mix now. So,
0: So check this out. Actually, the way I played it there was just sort of played it dry. But the way that it's produced, it sounds more like this. the song we actually get it along with a nice kick drum and there's a sort of sense of like pounding suspense as i mm. said add some energy to the song yeah quite nice However, when the song begins, the first clip that we heard, there's not a kick drum in it at all. Right. However, the same pumping effect is happening. And the idea of what a side chain is, I don't know why they even call it that, but you basically say, every single time this sound happens, make the volume of another sound duck down below it. So what's happening is every time that kick drum comes in, the piano is going to get a little more quiet. Okay. And it has a thumping effect.
1: Okay, so let me hear the piano and drum one more time and I'm listening for the side-chaining effect of the every time the drum hits the piano kind of recedes in yeah, volume exactly
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah kind of like a almost a pulsing effect in the piano
0: yeah exactly and
1: then I'll- you're saying if we go back to the very beginning we don't ha- actually have the bass drum but we still have that sort of pulsating piano as though it were there.
0: (laughs) Isn't that cool?
1: Yeah. It does create this sort of ghostly presence, which seems very fitting for yeah. for a track that's somewhere between a dream and a nightmare.
0: You know, this song actually is about an actual dream that she had, in which she dies. And the sort of ghostly version of herself sees that nobody cares. She's gone. In fact, you were fake. We never cared about you whatsoever. Uh, very, very solemn dream. But when we move into the pre-chorus and chorus, there is unbelievable hope.
2: I had a dream With me And you say As long as I
0: That's yeah, that pretty? Yeah. That's, um. Her I don't pro- have anything profound
1: to say. No. That's just, that's just great
0: songwriting. So I hadn't caught it originally, but the backing vocals are performed by her brother. Mm-hmm. And the song is actually about their relationship. Here's what Billy had to say about it. In an interview with the BBC.
2: Pretty much that whole song is about um, me and Phineas's relationship as siblings. I mean, there's so many. I can't even pinpoint the exact message because there's like a thousand. Yeah. But it's kind of like my brother is my best friend. And, you know, I have these dreams and these things happen. And no matter what happens, like he's going to always be there for me. And it's the same the other way around. So that's that's like the, the gist of the song, kind of.
0: I'm a sucker for that. I just think it's really sweet. It's beautiful. You know? Yeah. How often do siblings get along, let alone make a beautiful song together? They're like the (laughs) (laughs) anti-Oasis. And just thinking back for a second, I really appreciate these songs because by not giving us the sort of certainty, by not pointing us surely in one direction or the other, it really just, it pulls me in and it also pulls me out. It pulls emotions out. It requires me to consider the hope but also fear at the same time oftentimes those are working together Hmm. our greatest hopes are often you know in conversation with the things that we fear might go wrong we often fear failing or fear what success might be like and there often aren't comfortable words and easy ways of saying that yeah and so why not put it to song yeah this is pop that occupies kind of a gray area so often people might say, oh, pop, it's so silly. One song, everything sounds the same. Blah, 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 But yeah. oof, I mean, I find myself nodding my head and thinking about these songs after the fact.
1: I'll be doing the same. I'm glad you introduced and reintroduced me to some of these tracks, and I'm, I'm, I'll keep my ears out for other pop that explores that duality. It's
0: a beautiful thing. Switched on Pop is produced by me, Charlie Harding.
1: And me, Nate Sloan. We are mixed and edited by Brandon McFarland, produced by Megan Lubin and Bridget Armstrong, and executive producers are Liz Nelson and Nishat Kerwa.
0: We're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find more of our episodes anywhere you get your podcasts, and especially on our website, switchedonpop.com, where you can find playlists and fun things from our episode, extra notes and so on. And
1: our book, Switched on Pop, how pop music works and why it matters. We love hearing from you, so reach out on Twitter at Switch on Pop. We'll see you there.
0: We'll be back in again another week. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening.
1: listening. Why do you run? Why does anyone?
0: I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs>
1: But they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Socks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance.
2: It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong.
1: Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November sixteenth, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.